Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's Steph. It is 4-0-something-something on uh, December the 23rd, 2007. And thank you so much for joining me uh, on this pre-Christmas special. And uh, the Dancing Girls will be ready in a minute. And uh, just before they come out, though, um, just wanted to say hi, uh, give you an update. The RTR, like UPB, is going to be a GFB, which I'm very, very pleased about. Uh, That's a great fucking book. And uh, I'm very, very happy with it. I had a monster charging session of writing yesterday. Wrote 9,200 words in a single day. Sadly, they were all the same word. So really, it should be 9,200 word in a day. Uh, It's just one big word, which goes all work and no play makes Steph a dull boy. And then I grabbed a hatchet. So I hope that you will get a chance to have a read of it. It should, uh, first draft should be done maybe tomorrow, maybe shortly after Christmas, and then a second draft should be done in January. Book should be out later in January. I think it's great. The uh, metaphor machine that I am uh, is uh, working overtime and kicking up some damn fine stuff. I think with this armed with this book and a massive quantity of PCP, I think it is entirely within my grasp to win an argument with my wife. But... We don't know whether that will actually occur. We are just uh, hopeful. We have faith in the way that we understand the term. So, that having been said, I hope that you are having a wonderful, wonderful time getting ready for Christmas or whatever it is that you do this time of year. So, uh, I have nothing else to say. I've basically been spending my whole time cranking away on this book. So, I got nothing. I'm sp- oh, and I also had a very good uh, chat. At least I thought it was a very good chat with uh, a lovely couple in the FDR community who uh, had a couple of questions about the real-time relationship. And um, uh, hopefully they will allow us to release it. It was a great chat. And uh, I look forward to to hearing their feedback from that chat when they have listened to it. So uh, I I await your questions and uh, comments and issues and problems and rank praise. Uh, So please feel free to go. A head. Well, I just wanted to compliment you on the uh, the fine improvements to the website stuff. <laughs> Why, thank you. I did it all myself. <laughs> they look fabulous. Yeah, I do. Actually, you might want to toodle past the website and have a look. We did vamp up the, uh, I think pimped up is the phrase that I would use uh, because I'm just terminally white. But um, uh, it definitely does look a lot better. We've started up an advertising campaign again. So I think that uh, it uh, will draw in more. And again, thanks so much to Charlie, who gave us an excellent template. And we've, we've stayed pretty much within the confines of that template. But uh, we have pushed it beyond what most would consider the bounds of good taste. But that is not exactly a first for, th- for this show. So uh, I am very pleased with it. So thanks very much. And has Steph had a lot of coffee? I think that uh, we would want to compare that to oxygen. Uh, have I had a lot of coffee relative to oxygen? Yes, I have had a lot of cough, had a lot of cough, had a lot of cough. It's been many more sips than breaths. So not only am I caffeine-stimulated, I am oxygen-deprived. And that should make for an excellent show that probably is more coherent than usual. So, please, let me not interrupt anyone, particularly myself. Go ahead. Oh, and Christina baked some cookies, so I have to have some sugar, too. Whee! <laughs> Crashed! Okay, well, I guess that's a very short show for today. <laughs> Thank you so much about the comments to do with the uh, with the web. Um, anybody have any other questions <laughs> they wanted to bring up? 
Well, so I was watching this uh, documentary yesterday called um, The War Tapes. Not sure if you're familiar with that one. Yes. Um, basically, uh, four GIs with uh, handy cams document their deployment from 2003 through 2005. And uh, it was pretty much what I expected it to be, but it was just amazing to hear how um, all four of these guys and and their families all had different... They're, they're, they're all telling each other different stories, right? There's so there was so little truth in that documentary that it was um, um it was it was hard to follow it. <laughs> because every one of these guys has um a different kind of uh, like you say a different mythology for why they had to go and why they're there and what they're doing and how things will be in uh, once they're done and um, and and uh, one one thing that that struck me particularly um, near the end um, was uh, um, they they sort of did this little brief interview with all the wives. And the one wife was saying, you know, and they all pretty much said the same thing, that, oh, he's not the same person anymore. But she said, uh, on top of it, she said, uh, most days I don't like him, but I still love him. And that stuck out for me because... Wait, sorry, is this how you're going to bring up your relationship with me as an employer now? (laughs) Because I can understand that. <laughs> I'm going to put Christina on for a while. <laughs> Sorry, go on. No, no, no. Things are just fine. But uh, why it stuck out was because I used to say the same thing about my parents. Hmm. You know? And and the the... The, the the contradiction at the time the contradiction was totally lost on me the idea that you know it just makes no sense at all that you could uh, simultaneously dislike and love somebody well it does in a secular context but it makes perfect sense in a religious context right how so well, they have a perfect and beautiful soul, right? But they're tempted into bad actions by the devil. And so you, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. Oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. But they didn't, they didn't really put it in those terms when they were uh, being interviewed. No, no, of course not. No, of course not. If they had that kind of insight, they wouldn't have sent their kids to war. <laughs> right, but, I mean, they would have... Um... Uh, if they were there. sorry, was sorry to interrupt. Was, was this the guy who had his mom was single and really clingy? Uh, no, no, no. This was um, the Michael Moriarty guy. Uh. With the guy with the two kids. 
Ah, uh, right, 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 right. Yeah, that was a real- there, sorry, there was a guy who had this totally clingy mom who had completely turned her son into a kind of quasi-husband. Yeah. Yeah, that was the... Um, Spanish-looking fellow, or he actually, looked almost Eastern. Actually, he was Pakistani. Pakistani, right. And, and it was just like, you just knew who he was really putting bullets into, eh? And uh, he, uh, yeah, when you, when you watch the interview at the end where they're interviewing him and his mom in, in the living room together, just the looks on his face. <laughs> oh, Rage Against the Breast, you know, that was the name of his outfit, you know? Shoot the boobies or something. It was just, uh, uh, that was totally eatable and totally clear where this kind of murderousness uh, comes from. Yeah, and, and she's sitting there... Uh, um, making sarcastic remarks at him and, and, you know, cackling at the camera and, 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 and he's sitting in the chair across from the couch. You could just see the, you could just see the resentment and the, the disgust just seething off. Of him. It's just oh amazing. yeah, absolutely. It's just amazing to watch. And, and, and you're not, and the, the amusing thing is, is you're not supposed to notice that, right? Right. It's you're supposed to sort of um, only pay attention to what's coming out of their mouths. Yeah, well, you know, over ninety percent of communication is uh, nonverbal, right? Right. I mean, you think I have clothes on? <laughs> Actually, you don't. Well, but probably some of the other listeners do. Well, n- now hang on there, because I'm. I, I've been practicing this for weeks, imagining you with clothes on, so don't, don't ruin that. <laughs> Quite right. <laughs> Quite right. It's, t- it's tough. It's like imagining me with hair. <laughs> but, uh, but, but I just thought it was an, uh, an, an interesting study in um, um, uh, learning to pay attention to uh, what people do as opposed to what they say. Yes, actions speak louder than words uh, that you want to... And, and this, of course, is your gut instinct, right? If you were just listening to an audio tape, you probably still would have felt the tension in this guy's body. But seeing him there, you, you, you couldn't even pay attention to what the mom was saying, right? Because you're just waiting for this guy to, you know, to just, like, rip her intestines out through her nose or something. <laughs> right. Right, that's exactly... Well... And and quite frankly, uh, I sort of felt like that myself through, through periods of that uh, um, uh, through periods of that uh, that uh, doc- documentary. That just uh, want to grab some of these people by the lapel and shake them really hard, you know. Right, and you can also see, I mean, not so obviously, but when you become more psychologically uh, uh, um, astute, uh, you, you can see also that the child is the mother's rage against the world. Right? She yeah. uh, can't go out and be a killer, right? But she's obviously got murderous impulses towards the world, and the son is, is to a large degree, acting out the mother's murderous nature. Yeah, she openly admitted in that show too that uh, that 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 he had a sort of love for the military, and 
and and he himself says that, that um, uh, that's the only thing he wants to do. He loves being a soldier. The only thing he doesn't like is he doesn't get to pick where he goes, right? Yeah. So yeah. so I love killing, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I love to kill. And and he and he, he has a completely cynical attitude about why, too. Oh yeah, he had no I, he had no illusions about bringing democracy to this dad or the other, right? Right. That's exactly I like right. guns, you know. I mean, it's like, it's just a murderousness. I mean, that's at the root of what these people do. I and mean, they'll they'll cloak it in a whole bunch of uh, sort of sentimental shit, but it's just the desire to uh, bully, to kill, to to slaughter, to wound, to maim, to torture. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And and it it didn't um, it didn't occur to me at the time that uh, he's just an expression of her will, but but that makes perfect sense when you. Yeah, I mean, the way that you create a guy like this, of course, is that you simply uh, do not mirror him at all when he is a baby, right? That you resent the baby. That you you uh, you hate your life, that you uh, narcissistically wallow in your own depression rather than be there for your baby, and your baby then grows up pretty much in a state of nature, knowing that he's never going to get anything for free, he's never going to be given anything, and so he has to bully and force and shoulder aside and take, and uh, this you know so the the kid grows up. Uh, uh, with no sense of empathy, with no sense of win-win negotiations, with no sense of tenderness, with no sensitivity to any other soul, and with the you know, absolute knowledge that uh, he better, like, you know, those piglets all squealing to get at the mother's nipple, right? That he's got the, the sow's nipple. They have to shoulder each other aside, and if I don't get mine, someone else is going to take it. And so they better get out of my way, because I'm going to get what is mine. And I can never expect anyone to give it up voluntarily, so I'm just going to take it from them. Uh, it's not that hard to create these kinds of guys. You just have to be a psychotic bitch of a mom. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and she pretty much was. And he- yeah, and the sentimentality, right? I mean, the sentimentality, which, as Jung correctly pointed out, is the superstructure of brutality – the sentimentality in these kinds of these these women who have uh, children in the military, they always have the flag on their porch, right? They always tear up when they hear "Hail to the Chief." They always have this sick, fetishistic love for this fantasy of the old republic and you know their country, and and it's a sentimentality which is necessary to um, to distract from the brutality is omnipresent, and we feel a genuine and healthy terror about piercing through this kind of sentimentality. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And and it's extreme it was extremely bizarre uh to me hearing it come from uh Pakistani immigrants basically. That kind Well, of, I mean uh, it's it's not uh, uh you know immigrants to some degree it's immigrants and the poor who keep both religion and the military alive, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, up here in we were just reading this article on the weekend. Up here in Canada, the church att- church attendance is collapsing, and this is the result of the um, the collapse of female young female attendance in Canadian churches in the 1960s, right when feminism and and secular Marxism and socialism uh, came along, and other forms of mysticism that were less demanding, and 
you know, basically the, the church attendance completely uh, plummeted. And um, uh, except for the Catholic Church, which, which has remained stable, but the Catholic Church has only remained stable because of immigrants, right? Not because, I mean, <laughs> Catholic, it's like Roach Motel, right? And people go in, but they don't come out of Catholicism, right? So, right. So, and it's the same thing with the military. I mean, one of the reasons why the government loves to educate people badly and loves to get them trapped in the welfare ghettos is because it's a perfect breeding ground for enforcers, right? For the thugs that they need. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I don't know that attendance, um, Catholic attendance in the United States has really maintained stability, though. Um, In some of the bigger cities, I think it has, but in general, I think they've got declining numbers last i last i checked anyways but but still that it, it makes perfect sense that uh i used to know a guy uh i used to work with a guy uh, um, uh who's a native mexican and uh his wife is native mexican and the two of them were both extremely uh xenophobic amusingly enough totally had the, uh, you know, pull the drawbridge up behind me attitude about immigration and uh, and was completely unapologetic about his, uh, about the contradiction built into that uh, whenever I pointed it out to him. And, uh, and that, that always, that always flummoxed me. I just, I couldn't understand why why you know having experienced that whole process why you would want to inflict it on other people well i mean that no nobody hates the trashy blacks like the middle class blacks right <laughs> yeah that's true cuz they, they don't want to get confused right and and they drag the whole like those uh, those rap ghetto thug kids in the black community i mean nobody hates them more than a competent smart black lawyer or businessman or doctor right yeah that's true it's like i mean that's that's because that's what people see right right the resentment there right sure. i actually read something interesting just by the by about immigration recently about uh about one of the reasons why the mexicans are swarming into america is because the subsidized food that is being produced through the farm subsidies by the american agricultural industry is flooding the mexican market with cut-rate food, thus not allowing the Mexican farmers, just as the farmers in Africa and other places, uh, are not uh, not able to compete, right? You can't compete with subsidized. And so, because they can't sell their food locally, because the American subsidies are, uh, subsidized food is swarming across the border, they uh, get kicked off their land, right? They can't pay their rent. Right. And right. where are they going to go? Right? They either start growing drugs, right, or they – because there's no industrialization to absorb them in the way that there was in the 19th century. Right. And so, so they head north, right? So it's like, why are they coming? Why are they invading us, quote, invading us? Well, because we're invading them with uh, subsidized food, right? Right, yeah. And, and it was easy to get away with that um, – with with other third world countries because you can't exactly hop on a raft in uh, uh, Nairobi and uh, you know manage to make it to the United States. <laughs> right, right, for sure, for sure. Right. So, uh, just another example, right? That 
if uh, if political libertarians who are really interested in principles, right, they would not want to increase government power by kicking out immigrants, but rather they would want to deal with the problem at its source by stopping subsidies to American farmers. Right, right, right. It's just, uh, I mean, it's, it's just one more. Uh, no, sorry, somebody's more got a cell phone buzzing away. If you could uh, just turn that off, please. Sorry. No problem. It might be mine. Let me pitch it over. I'm sure it's not mine because I'm not sure the ringer even works. Is that better? Uh, yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> Oh, where were we? Um, yeah, the hypocrisy of libertarian and uh, libertarians. Uh, uh, where, where do you think that comes from? I mean, for, for the folks that aren't, uh, uh, well, I guess I guess it's pretty obvious, right? It's family, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, to to. Um when you become consistent, when you become philosophical, when you become an anarchist or a voluntarist or a stateless advocate, you are uh, you are going to be ostracized, right? If you say, "Well, I think the government should be smaller," yeah, there'll be people who disagree with you, but but there's, you're still playing within the court, right? Right. You're still playing by the rules. You just you just want modified rules, right? Sure, sure. But if you that say the whole game is corrupt and evil, <laughs> right? We know what happens then. All these people who claim to love you to death will kick you to the curb like yesterday's fish. <laughs> right. Right. And then we all know that, right? We all know that our relationships are entirely tenuous based upon us propping up the false self-egos and vanities of other people and that the moment we speak the truth we uh, the eject button gets hit, the trap door gets opened and we get flushed out with the sewage. You know, that's that's fascinating that you say that because that's exactly what they accuse us of, right? Uh, I'm not a purist, so you're not going to associate with me? Right? Like, uh, like, um, like you have to the accusation is that they have to have exactly the same opinions you do in order to be friends with them, right? Right, and, right. And that's, that's, I mean, of course, that's completely silly. And, I mean, well, the, they do the have to have is, a virtuous methodology. I mean, if you want to be a scientist, then you've got to accept the scientific method, right? Right. But the irony is, is that's exactly what they're doing uh, to us, right? Yeah, but it's inevitable. That's projection, right? Sure. Sure. Like all, yeah. all the people who, you know, people over these other four, he's so manipulative. Steph just uses psychological trips and he's, he's out to dominate and control people and so on. And it's like, you know, I would have started with Christina. Actually, maybe it's because I can't do it with Christina that I'm striving to do it with everybody else. <laughs> what do you think, honey? Oh, wait, she just gave me another kibble. Hmm, sorry, what were we talking about? <laughs> so, my. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just projection. I mean, you are allowed to say any form of shit you want except the truth, right? And then if you, if you speak the truth, and, and especially if you're curious, 
then you're called uh, intolerant and selfish and monstrous and uncaring and, and close-minded and culty. You know? The knives only come out when the truth raises its head, right? Sure, sure. That makes perfect sense. And, uh, and and you could see that too in this in this documentary I was watching. You could see that too, where when they started questioning these guys about um, uh, the the re- their reasons for being in Iraq and the the um, the validity of the war and all of that, uh, you could just see the um, the the um, like the. I swear the one guy's neck started getting red. <laughs> you know, right. uh, that Moriarty guy um, uh, talking about uh, he and and the the other guy with the PTSD uh, were just getting visibly angry at uh, the suggestion that uh, the war might not be a good idea. Right. Yeah, yeah. Given that there are no weapons of mass destruction, doesn't that just make you a murderer? <laughs> right, right. Even forget the whole weapons of mass destruction thing. Just the 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 principle of it at its core. Makes no, no, no. I agree with that. But I mean, right. in terms of what what you would ask those people, right? Does it change right. the moral nature of what you were doing if you were lied to about why you were doing it? Well, that's an interesting question. Well, and, and that's the most obvious question that you would ever ask a soldier. Right. I mean, if you were lied to, does that change the moral nature of what you're doing? In other words, does the truth have anything to do with the ethics of what you're doing? And if they say, no, I just, I mean, I just, I'm here to shoot whoever they point at and they can tell me whatever they want. I'm just a, I'm a hired gun, right? Right. Then that's, that's honest, right? It's frightening, but it's honest. But uh, it, they're going to get really messed up with that question, right? They yeah. say, well, I went in with the best intentions. It's like, yes, but you stayed when you knew you'd been lied to. You didn't go to jail and you didn't put down your weapons and you didn't flee uh, or whatever, right? So does it change the moral nature of the lives you were taking if you are there under false pretenses? Oh, and that's the distinction, whether they know they're being lied to or not. Yeah, I understand that. And they say, well, you know, we were in there, We, you know, they built all the... What is it, the pottery barn principle or shit like that? Yeah, like breaking a vase is like breaking a country. But, um, you know, <laughs> while we were in and, you know, it's obedience, it's like, oh, okay, well, then don't talk to me about ethics. Right? If, it's, if it's just obedience, then don't talk to me about anything to do with ethics. Right, right. And it's, it's interesting, too, when I think back on uh, some of the conversations I'd had with uh, my, my own brother, um, who was heavily involved in uh, Afghanistan, um, how he would uh, regularly mix um, uh, just just rank uh, uh, i mean he knew he knew exactly what what he was doing and why he was there and what was going on, but he would he would regularly mi- uh, move back and forth between uh, the, the moral argument and the pragmatic argument uh, where it was convenient, right? So sometimes he would say, well, you know, the, 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 the world is, is dog-eat-dog and, and 
we have to do uh, what's necessary to protect our way of life. That that you know all that crap, right? And then and then when necessary, he would he would shift back to the moral argument, which which was uh, um, uh, you know we need to make. Uh, um, we need to make the rules clear and and people need to follow the rules and and uh, and whoever doesn't needs to be punished and you know that sort of thing yeah no there is this constant cycle back and forth uh from from ethics to pragmatism right it's it's the same thing that you get with christians right when they tell you say why do you worship god well because mor- god is moral but doesn't break god break his own moral commandments well, but God is powerful, right? God is above the law, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, are you worshipping power or are you worshipping virtue? And it's the same thing with the military, right? Are you obeying orders or are you doing virtuous things? And then if you're doing virtuous things, then you have some explaining to do if you've been lied to and killed people because of that. And if you're just worshipping power, that's great. Then don't talk to me about, about ethics, right? Yeah, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned that too because uh, I got another crack at those goofy Mormons came by my door uh, last week uh, <laughs> actually last uh it was last Tuesday they came by and uh, got into exactly that uh discussion um, you know uh, um, God is the standard of morality right oh yeah 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 well then um God says that killing is wrong right yeah 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 well then how do you explain uh how to, Assuming the story is true, how do you explain uh, the fact that he drowned everyone on the planet? Well, that's different. Oh, yeah, how so? Well, they were evil, right? Okay, so you can reconcile an evil with another evil. Right? Yeah, that, that you can kill someone if they're evil. And, <laughs> and you can kill children if they're evil. And you can kill cats if they're evil. And not become evil yourself. Well, yeah, become evil or not, right? I mean, the, the God killed all the children in the world too, right? Yeah, oh yeah, men, women. And there must have been some virtuous everything. people in the world. Other than Noah, yeah. right? Well, you would think so. But uh, certainly children, right? I mean, God, uh, who, who counsels against abortion uh, through the floods, killed tens or hundreds of thousands of unborn babies, right? <laughs> Were they evil? Were they responsible for the sins of their mother? <laughs> Babies in the crib drowned in that flood, right? I mean, this is just psychotic genocide, right? Well, that's that's actually a pretty amusing thing. There's no, there's nothing in the Bible that explicitly talks about abortion. That's all. That's all church interpretation. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So. Well, let's uh, open it up, see if anybody else has uh, any other questions uh, about uh, uh, or comments. Uh, so, so um, are we going to read what's been going on in the chat room? Would you like to read them? Come on, a little bit. Here. So one of our lovely uh, board participants and listeners said that uh, one of the greatest party, um, I guess... Uh, experiences is to uh, take the words in my pants and attach them to names of different movies. So we've had quite a few <laughs> on the chat While window. While we were talking? <laughs> While you were talking. <laughs> Debbie does... Betrayal in my pants! Sorry. Debbie does Dallas in my pants. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Lethal weapon in my pants. Alien in my pants. <laughs> Placing saddles in my pants. The elephant man in my pants. Ants in my pants. <laughs> Pretty woman in my pants. A few good men in my a pants. A few good men in my pants. And a red October in my pants. Anaconda in my pants. Anaconda <laughs> in my Batman begins in my pants. Oh, that's the Robin movie. Midnight in the Garden of Good Evil in my the pants. The Big Lebo whiskey in my pants. Goodwill hunting in my pants. And so on. Sorry, Greg, I, uh, I can't really help sorry about that the stuff. immaturity I, uh... of the people who are having fun while we're talking about <laughs> war. But I also can't blame them at times because that's some pretty funny shit, i got to tell you. Million Dollar Baby in my pants. Jaws, ah, in my pants. Right, right, right. The Big Cane in my pants. The Cane Mutiny in my pants. Ghost in my pants. Got it. I think I understand how this works. Friends in my pants, yeah. Sorry, Steph, I, uh, I invented that one in college, and I just uh, couldn't resist. That's some pretty fine stuff, I must tell you. That, uh, that's some pretty funny stuff. So, uh, did you have a question or a comment, or uh, did you just get uh, de-philosophized in Germany? Oh, I got my, my philosophy head blown Peace off. Peace in my pants. Okay, that's it, last one. <laughs> oh, no, the, uh, the one uh, kind of funny thing that happened in Germany was... Uh, uh, they had these humongous Christmas markets uh, going on in all these little towns, and the one in um, in Frankfurt was chock full of people. But there was this one dude that was standing up on a bench somewhere that was yelling about Jesus, this and that. He was one of those, you know, Helen Brimstone type guys, and uh, it was actually kind of entertaining because most people were just walking by and staring at him funny and stuff and all these little kids were taunting him and everything and it was uh quite a different uh a different world over there i think they were uh they were fully capable of teasing the uh religious guys that's good stuff that's good well i mean america sorry germany went through a pretty secular period certainly after the second world war i had cousins who would come over from Germany when I was a kid, and uh, they, I mean, they weren't allowed to play with weapons, and uh, of course there's been a whole lot of propaganda about what happened uh, in Germany, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, that somehow Hitler was an atheist and all this kind of stuff, right? I mean, it's nonsense. I mean, it was the most religious country in Europe, right? I mean, during the Weimar Republic and into the Nazi period, just as Russia was the most religious country in its section of the world when the the communists took over, right? So uh, just, just you know, I mean, they, they went through a real 180 because they recognized the danger uh, and the explicitly religious nature of their patriotism in a way that Americans still have to <laughs> figure out, right? But they just haven't had a big enough disaster yet to figure that out. But anyway, sorry, please continue. Oh, no, I was just, um, I was grasping for a topic since I had my mic on. Oh, um, wait, wait, that, have another uh, one? Planet of the Apes in my pants. I can see that. Twelve monkeys in my pants. Yeah, oh, I love that. <laughs> Brief encounter in my pants. That's good. What dreams may come in my pants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those last four uh, words will surely show up in a remix some point. <laughs> One of the slightly less serious shows, but hey, it's we'll Christmas. To, uh, it's Christmas. We'll have to bust this game out down in uh, Miami, I think. Oh, yeah, no question. No question. That'd be good with song titles, too. 
in Agata de Vida in my pants. Anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, and so that's it. No topics for you. Nothing else. Uh, I don't think so. All right. Okay. Have you been oh, keeping um, up with the shows? Yes, I have. I managed to. I was trying to figure out how to get them when I was over in Europe there because I couldn't really sync my iPod. I had it. Uh, whatever, just technical crap. But the um, I did manage to figure out how to jam MP3s onto my GPS navigator so I could listen to them in the car. So nice. That was good. And did it? So anyway, yeah, when you were playing uh, FDR. Did the UR heater change? <laughs> no, it's really cool though because when the uh, the little navigator lady with the sexy British accent on my GPS would announce directions, it would pause the audio. So it was pretty cool. Now approaching enlightenment. That's right. <laughs> the state of bliss. Right, right, right. Okay, well, thanks. Uh, great to hear from you again. I'm glad that you came back. And um, maybe uh, Greggy M had a follow-up from last week's show about ye old photograph uh, and his self-consciousness with regards to seeing his blurry background image in somebody else's picture somewhere on the web. I think it was Facebook. Is that right? Yes, it was. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to minimize the chat window so someone doesn't throw up in my pants that just <laughs> makes me laugh out loud. I'm trying to concentrate <laughs> and not think of funny movie titles because, you know, when there's a chance for bad humor, it's like a gravity well for me. Like I scrabble like a, uh, you know, like a gecko going down a sliding sheet of oiled glass. So <laughs> I have to make sure I stay away from it too, that virus of in my pants. But please, uh, go ahead. So you had some photographs in your pants. Sorry, you were... <laughs> talking about that <laughs> yes uh, don't worry well. it's it's recorded and i can post it on the board as an example of the depth of the conversation that we have. but anyway please go on. yes you, uh, well you, i did my homework you told me to think of the thought that preceded the emotion otherwise you weren't you didn't really have much to work with and sorry to interrupt you right at the beginning <clears throat> do you know if you knew that thought last week but didn't want to talk about it or you uh, didn't know the thought at all well, of course I knew it, but it was just hard to... It was hard nice to... of me not to corner you there, wasn't it? <laughs> you know how most people say, well, I don't know, and I say, yes, you do, right? But I did, yes, yes. you know, because I get tense that you were really tense about it, so please, go on. Yeah, well, I, and I'm a lot more loosened up about it now, if you can tell. So, um, yeah, I mean, I knew it, but I think it was just really hard for me to access. That the thought that preceded the emotion was, oh, crap, people will see it. We'll people see. that I know will see, we'll see it. You will see the picture, right? Yeah, and and the, and the people that I know would probably have recognized it as being me, um, because I, I I have a pretty um, or had a pretty recognizable hair. I mean, I I cut it off, but I mean, I did have pretty longish hair, and I had the Freedom Main Radio sweatshirt on, so the people who know me well would know that they would say, "Ah, there there he is." So that was the thought that preceded the emotion, whereas I thought it was maybe just the picture of me in general. Right. So it was you with the T-shirt with Freedom Main Radio. That was the problem. Well, I don't know if it was necessarily the Freedom Main Radio, because I think I very well could have had uh, a Google sweatshirt on or something, and it would have felt the same way, because I wear the sweatshirt all the time. The people that I know see we with it all the time and listen to the conversation and love the conversation right i mean not all the people i know but the people that i can call my friends love the conversation so it's not i don't think it's the freedom in radio although that's certainly a possibility i'm going to keep that open 
But I'm sorry, uh, and I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm not sure I would understand why the tension would be higher if you were wearing, or the same, if you were wearing a Google t-shirt or a, you know, one of your Britney Spears t-shirts or whatever. Well, I'm just saying that I don't think, my point in that was that I don't think that the, the Freedom Main Radio sweatshirt's a variable that, that counts much into it. Do you think that could be the case, or...? Well, since I have a theory about the T-shirt consumption, I obviously have a vested interest, but um, okay. I'm not sure how the t- – I mean, you have to be wearing something, right? Is it the fact that it has a logo of any kind that – No. No, I don't think so. I mean, it could have been a plain T-shirt, and, and, and I think I would have felt the same. And, and so I'm uh, sorry. I'm just not sure exactly what the thought is that causes the catastrophic thinking that we talked about last week. Right. Well, the thought is – Oh God, people that I see are going to see this and recognize me in it. Right. Um, which I didn't quite access that last week. Well, but I mean, sorry to, to, to state what I consider the obvious, which may not be obvious to you, but it's just my perspective. Okay. Of course, it's only because people might recognize you, because if they didn't recognize you, there would be no stress, right? Right. So, uh, for and sure, it has thinking, some, but it must be something else that would cause the anxiety. Well, and, and I think there is something else that I think it also had to do with the person I was interacting with. Go on. It was someone that I ran into that I hadn't seen for a while and who I don't particularly respect a whole lot, but I was still interacting with her. Right. So, and these people don't know this person. The people, like, but the people who would recognize me wouldn't know this person. Okay, right? so they would but, recognize you, but they wouldn't recognize the person that you were in the picture with, right? Right, because I, I, I was trying to just think of every variable. I looked at the picture like you told me to and tried to think of every variable that could have changed and made it less. Right. And a variable that I found was that if I were talking to someone else, like if I were talking to one of my close friends, I wouldn't have felt as much tension. You would have felt some tension, but not as much. Not as much. So I do think that's a factor, who I was talking to. Okay, and, and I, what is then, so what is the catastrophic story that would, for you, result from people seeing this picture? I think it would have been a recognition of others, that of an area where I maybe don't have as much of an ability to say, no, I don't really want to talk right now. Okay, so this is like the, the friend, and I mean, God knows for most of our life, we all have someone like this, who for some reason or other you got into an acquaintanceship or a friendship with at some point in the past, either you've grown or they've diminished or whatever, but now it's just not somebody that you would hang out with, but you can't find a graceful way to exit the relationship. Bingo. Okay, I got it. And what is it about this so, person that you would consider to be less than ideal? Um, very skewed views on parenting. Um, and a, a, a very strong Christian. Um, and I didn't really know her that well. It wasn't like this was someone I hung out with every week. But this is this was someone who... Had very skewed view, like like that spanking is a very good way to show that that you mean business or something like that. Well, and do you know if there were any other abusive tendencies? Did, does she have kids? No, she doesn't have kids. Okay. Do you know no, that? She did she ever ex- exhibit any other 
abusive tendencies other than it's uh, good to hit children? Not not particularly. Um, but I, again, I didn't know her that well, so we never really got that deep into stuff. But I did from when I when I when I found out her views on parenting, that was the deal breaker. Well, but it wasn't right if you're still hanging. Well, yeah, right. But it was the deal breaker in my mind. Like, oh, this isn't someone, and that's why I think I have this conflict. Like in my mind, I know this isn't a person I should be interacting with. Uh huh. But I interact with her. <laughs> so it's. I think that's where the conflict is. Do you, do you think that does that sound at at all accurate to you? It certainly is possible. Um, right. Uh, I guess the question that I would have. Let Let's take your thesis and and run with it because okay. obviously. You, you, it's you, right? So you're the you're the uh, the guy who's probably the most right. But um, uh, what it would indicate to me is not that you are afraid or feel negatively towards a lack of integrity, but rather okay. that you are afraid or feel negatively towards public evidence of a lack of integrity. Okay, can you go on? Okay, um, so when you hang out and chat with this woman, you do not experience the same anxiety as you do when there's evidence out there that you have chatted with and interacted with this woman. I do feel anxiety when I'm interacting with her, but you're right, not, not as much. Right, so what that means is that, to put it bluntly and not too charitably... It's not the crime, but the conviction that concerns you. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Go on. That it's not so much that I'm interacting with her. It's that I don't want people to know. Right. You know, I mean, like, if you were dating some, I don't know, trashy woman with big tits or whatever you liked in there, that, that, that it was not somebody of quality that you had the chance to really get to know and love, but it was just like some, you know, horny-ass humping relationship. And <clears throat> she showed up at your parents' place, right? You would feel anxiety, not because you were, you know, <laughs> you know hum- humping the bimbo, but because you were now seen to be humping the bimbo. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I get Does it. Does that make sense? Exactly. It makes perfect sense. So is the is the solution to this just to to live more with – I mean, I know this is a pretty all-encompassing solution, but to live more with integrity so that I don't have to have the fear? No, I wouldn't say that. I mean, obviously, living with integrity is a good thing, but I don't yeah. think that – because you don't want to, I would suggest, you don't want to make your decisions on how you're going to live your life based on your fear of other people's disapproval. Right. And I, and I do, do think in some instances I have gotten people out of my life for integrity. So it's not like a complete lack of integrity, but I do think there are certain little pockets where I'm trying to um, live almost splitting. I'm splitting. Yeah, and please understand where I'm coming from. Like when I use the word crime, I mean that's all an exaggeration, right? Yeah. What did you do? You oh, had a conversation sure. with a Christian. I mean, so what, right? This not it's not right. the issue, but I guess my question is is your relationship to virtue and integrity based on rules 
and fear or instinct and pleasure. Right now, because of my because of my past, there's a lot of the rules and fear in it. Right. Well, I would obey none of those rules if I were you. Right. I, I would set it as my personal goal to not do anything because I was afraid of disapproval, to not do anything because it was a rule. Right? Right. This is not going to work. All it's going to do is it's going to entrap you more, and God knows you've already had enough of that, as we all have in our life. And okay. the key thing to philosophy is to internalize the standards, right? Okay. Well, see, this is making me nervous right now. Excellent. <laughs> well, well, because I'm feeling like almost like I've trapped myself because I do want to live in I do as you know want to live with integrity for pleasure and integrity or for, yeah live with integrity for integrity yeah um no live with integrity for pleasure and for for virtue and for joy but because uh I've just I've got this template for follow rules because they're the rules follow rules it's no no like, sorry the template is not follow, oh, follow follow rules so that i don't get punished so you don't get attacked yeah Puni see pun so sorry the word, template... let me just interrupt you because the language here is so important punished okay. indicates something to do with justice right like if if a right. dog attacks me nobody says the dog is punishing me right oh so it's a yeah you're right it's an attack yeah, you're afraid of being so... attacked so come come home by 11 or you're going to get attacked. Right. In the same way um, Sorry, in the same way these... that sorry, in the same way that if you owned a store and the mafia came over and said pay $500 a week or we will burn your store down. Right? Nobody would call this a punishment or or rules. It's just I don't want to have my store burnt down. Wow, okay. This is this is pretty significant for me to figure this out. Yeah, I mean, you, sorry, and, and I just, I really want to make sure that you look at your interaction with your parents and your authority figures, your teachers. And all. This is not anything to do with ethics or crime or punishment or virtue or integrity. It's like, do what I want or I'll fuck you up. Right. This is like lunch so money now, uh, at, at the bully's fist. So could, it, could part of it be... That in a way, part of me is is drifting. I mean, obviously, I, I love philosophy and I love ethics and I love truth. But could it put, could part of it be for the wrong reasons? Uh, I'm. It it certainly could because I'm I'm replacing one rule structure with another rule structure be, to almost uh, normalize. Well, it's the other it's the, better. the unjust like, rule structure. I think it's important to to recognize that if you want to quit drinking. It's okay if you take up bowling. And what I mean by right. that is if you have a way of interacting with people which is like, I'll do what they say and call it moral so, because I don't want to be attacked. And I also don't want to know that I'm doing it because I don't want to be attacked. So if you take that methodology of interacting with people off the table 
right? You, you don't go from fat to fit in five minutes, right? And you say, okay, well, I'm going to have a better set of rules. At least you can internalize these rules. You cannot internalize other people's crazy-ass opinions, right? Yeah, I can't internalize be home by 11.30, but if I'm home by 11, I'm going to get punished anyway. Yeah, you can't, you can't internalize conformity to abuse. Because conformity to abuse, right. by its definition, okay. is wrapping yourself around the bullying of somebody else. So you can't, at least this stuff you can internalize, right? Because it's a methodology, not a conclusion. And it's not about punishment, right. right? Okay. So to go back to, to, to the... Um... Oh, where should... I just want to make sure I'm on the right track with this because this is a pretty significant jump for me to recognize sure. this, I think. Because – now I have a question for you if you don't mind. Hmm. Could you, in, in your interactions with me in the past, was any of this obvious to you? That you had a, uh, a compliance that, that I had a habit a... of redefining compliance as a kind of virtue? Yes. Well, I wouldn't say that I, it scrolled across my mind – uh, as a sort of uh, uh, as a sort of CNN ticker tape, but uh, if you'd stopped and asked me for sure, there is a certain amount of tentativity, if that makes sense, to to your approach. You're not somebody, as far as I can tell. Let me know what you think. You're not somebody who has an easy time staking the claim that is yourself in the world, right? So that you are a moving fortress, right? That you are who you are in the world. If people like it, great. If they shit on you, then they're just idiots and you move on. I have a feeling that you ask for permission to be in the world. So, I, so I'm almost looking for approval from people because that's how I was when I was a, when I was a child. I was always sort of like I – like you give a picture to mom and look into her eyes like, oh, is this a good – and, and almost like that? Well, I'm going to back you up for just a second just to point out the habits that you have. We all look okay. for approval, and there's nothing wrong with that. I look for approval from my wife, and uh, every Christmas so I that. get it. And uh, um, so looking for approval, there's nothing wrong with that. I look for approval when I look in the mirror. I look for approval that my podcasts are of decent quality from the listeners, right? And that's because if they're not, I have to go back to work. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So right. You were not looking for approval. That is a self-humiliating way of putting it, if that makes sense. So what, what are some of my habits that, instead of looking for approval, I mean, for just from what you can tell? Well, um, it... you, weren't, I mean, you weren't born as an approval seeker. Nobody is, right? You weren't born having to beg for approval or for uh -huh. validation from okay. other human beings, right? No man is born a slave. Right. So what were you doing? If, it, if seeking approval was only a, an effect, what was the cause? What was really going on? What were you really trying to do? Avoid abuse. Yeah. And so now I'm doing that in relationships where I don't have to. Like, like I can avoid abuse in, in my current relationships. I mean, sure, yeah. As, as an adult, you can, for but, sure. But it provokes great anxiety in us to avoid abuse when, we are, when that's what we're used to, right? Because it's a new way of being that is scary. And it brings up a lot of pain uh, in us, right? 
Like once right. we realize how safe so, we can be, we realize just how constantly bullied and in danger we were. So I'm complying with these rules, like the rules of philosophy, which as you say are better rules, um, uh, the, the rules of a methodology rather than the rules of a conclusion, almost I'm, I'm leaning towards it as sort of another way to avoid abuse. Well, for sure, there is an aspect of, of uh, approval seeking in, in any, you know, whenever okay. you have a mentor or to whatever degree I or others or people on the board or whatever, right? There is, to a certain degree, a kind of approval seeking, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, if, if I'm trying to learn how to be a, a black belt in jujitsu, then I look to the approval of the guy who's teaching me that, right? Because he knows what he's... So looking for approval and so all of these things are good things. I mean, all of these things are healthy things. You're in a state of transition insofar as you are realigning your personality so that instead of figuring out what to do by seeking out and navigating through the cues of the people around you, uh, right? You are uh, getting a map which you can plot your direction. You're not just okay, are there rocks here? Are there rocks there? Is there a deep bit here I can go? Oh, shit, there is a rock over there. Now I've got to move over here, right? What you've been raised to do is to navigate in stormy seas perpetually through rocks and foam and sharks and hail. Well, a minefield is what came up to mind before you use that metaphor. Yeah, you've got a stick just, a map and it's like, them. where can I step, right? Right, so I, I'm, I was moving, with, and I'm, I'm still doing that to an extent. I mean, to a, to a very large extent, I would say, which is hard for me to realize, but it's, I think it's true. Um, I'm, I'm trying to navigate around a minefield with a stick, whereas I'm sort of now formulating a map, as you said. So I need to not... Let me, let me, let me sort of explain it to you, uh, if, if this makes sense. Okay. We'll continue with the same metaphor with the minefield, because that's what works for you. So beforehand, okay. you don't even know it's a minefield. You just know that sometimes shit blows up and you've got to be really careful, right? Right. And so you kind of got a stick and you're poking around. You don't know what the hell happens, right? When you're a kid, right? You just know that bad shit occurs and you've got to avoid it. Then what happens is somebody says, you're not in a place of random geysers, right? You're in a place where somebody laid minefields to screw you up. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. Okay. Right? This is not accidental. This is not, well, the world is just unstable and geysers erupt for no reason. This is not a naturally occurring phenomenon. That's a lot of what I do is say, this is not natural. This is not human nature. This is not the world. This is a minefield that was planted to screw you up. And then you say, holy shit, I'm in a minefield. <laughs> right? And it was put here by people. And then I say, sorry, brother can't airlift you out of the minefield because I don't know where your mines are, right? But what I can do is I can tell you how to see the little mounds where the mines are. And also that the whole world is not a minefield, but there are beautiful forests and great shining cities and islands with hula girls... <laughs> And you don't have to live in a minefield. And then you say, okay, it's a minefield. It was put here by bad people. I'm not incompetent at walking. I just don't want to get blown up, right? Because this is a very important thing. I guarantee you that you still feel weak. 
because you had to carry such a heavy load that your legs are trembling and you say, gee, my legs are weak. No, your legs are incredibly strong. You just well, it's funny you say – Sorry? Oh, sorry. Well, it's funny you say that because physically my legs are trembling at the moment. <laughs> no, I would not be at all surprised about that because what you sense is, is freedom, right? This is what we're talking about. So now you're like, okay, I'm in a minefield. Bad people put me here. I'm not weak. I just did the best to survive in the environment I was hurled in by the evil gods of circumstance. So now right. what you're doing is you're saying, okay, I'm still in a minefield, but I know that this is not all the world is. So I can get out of the minefield. I can't fly because, you know, it's reality. Nobody can come in to get me because I, only I know the map of my family, my history. But I now can see the minefield and I can make my way towards the edge and never come back. Right. Okay. So, so I get it. Yeah, that helps a lot. So, yeah, I think that basically sums it up. Well, let's so, go back to your Christian friend, if you don't mind. And I use the word sure. friend loosely, and we'll just, but just call her your friend for now. Okay. Because right? it's easier to say than acquaintance. You, my friend, <laughs> are completely and totally free to talk to this Christian friend. There is no rule. There is no God. There is no punishment. There is no hell. There is no FDR lightning bolt that's going to find you in your sleep and fry your eyebrows. There is no rule that says you cannot talk or be friends with a Christian. The only thing right. that you need to really focus on is how do I feel when I talk to a Christian? Do I feel free? Guilty. Do I feel self-expressed? You said guilty, but that's rules following. Like, exactly. Like, oh, shit, FDR says I can't talk to a Christian. I'm bad, right? Yeah. But that's nonsense, right? I, I mean, what do I care, right? <laughs> talk to anybody you want. The important thing is not what other people say is right or wrong for you. Right, and, and which, I know you're not. An, sorry, I know was. you're not an axe murderer, so we're not talking about any of that nonsense, right? <laughs> right. But right, right. the question is, how do you feel? Forget the guilt. Do you enjoy talking to the Christian? No. And what do you not enjoy about talking to the Christian? Well, I can't share values. I, I mean, it, it's. It's impossible to have a deep and meaningful conversation with someone whose values are anti-values to me. So, so I, I have to always. It, so when I'm discussing, so if when I'm chatting with her, there's this. I mean, to go back to the minefield, there's a minefield of topics that I have to sort of prance around and not, not, not touch. Right. So your goal is to get out of the minefield and be free to walk and sing and dance and do cartwheels wherever the hell you want, right? Ah, so I should align my value, or I should align my actions to guilt, to not feel anxiety or guilt. That would just be almost an anxiety management tool. That's not getting the cause. But instead, I need to realize that I'm not free if I'm talking to her. Well, it's not that you're not free. Again, let, let me sort of this – is, this is complicated stuff, and these are great questions, and I hope this is helpful to you because I'm sure it is to other people. You are perfectly free when you are talking to the Christian. You're not in jail, right? 
Well, I, I use the word free somewhat loosely because I'm not free, as I said, to talk about certain things. Sure you are. So, so when I'm t- – well – No, you are. Seriously. She's not going to uh, shoot you. Okay. So I'm using her to manage my anxiety by not talking about those certain things. Yeah. I mean you Cause know Because if, if, if I were to say – Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, well, if I were to talk about these things, I would feel a tremendous amount of anxiety. So by avoiding these things but continuing to talk with her, I'm managing my own anxiety. Well, sure, but I would say a little bit further than anxiety, and I know I use the term, but just for for real precision in this part of the conversation. Okay. The reason that you don't want to talk to her about your values is because you know she's going to attack you. Right. So you're not just avoiding your own anxiety. You're avoiding a legitimate and genuine – avoiding attack. Yeah. Okay, in the same way. Danger. Uh, like, sorry, okay. let, let me sort of explain what I mean. If there are a bunch of, I don't know, <laughs> if there's some street on Toronto where every time you walk down it, you get mugged, and I say, well, I don't want to go walk down that street. I'm not just sort of managing my anxiety. I don't want to get mugged. Right, but it's not going to kill me if I say something like that. Yeah, but <laughs> the problem is that in the past it would have. Oh, Okay. All right, right, like like a um, uh, a guy who's been in Iraq for four years in heavy shelling and, and gunfire and so on, right? If he joins a marching band, he's going to freak out every time they practice with that big booming drum by his ear, right? Hold on. Should I do the on-hold music? Feeling. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I was there was an interruption. So the the guy who's been in combat is not going to be very good in a marching band, right? With the boom boom of the drums and the rat tat tat of the drums, right? Right. Now right. you say, "Well, it's just drums, right?" But it's like, no, because of his history, he's not good at that. He can't undo his right. history. He can't undo the inevitable results of his autonomous nervous system. He can't undo his PTSD. His his fight or flight mechanism, the way his adrenal gland pumps out the every the adrenaline, he can't change that, right? Right, he can't. So the key is to not expose himself to loud sudden noises, right? Ah, uh, okay, I get it. So it so it's not going to kill me now if I say, so what about God? But it will invoke the fight or flight or the whatever I would feel, the, the attack that I would feel when I was younger. Right. It does not kill the Vietnam veteran to go and see Full Metal Jacket. Right. But it's not a lot of fun, right? Okay. And I'm never, and as you've said to me before, I'm never going to get rid of that. Well, I, I mean, maybe there's a way to do it, but I... Uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, well, it's, a lot of it's biologically ingrained. As is yeah, like, I mean, th- there's more fun things to do with your life than to find out how to talk to corrupt people without getting scared, right? Okay. Why, don't, why just not have the corrupt people around, right? Right, okay, so... So you're totally free to talk to the Christian or to not talk to the Christian. The only question, Greg, that you need to ask yourself, if you want to get out of the minefield, is you need to say to yourself... Am I heading out of the minefield or am I heading into the minefield? Right. 
And every time can you, can you, you get can into you interactions with people with whom there are these mines, these land mines, you're heading into the minefield, not out of it. So to reword it just so I can uh, maybe make sure that I understand it, what you're saying is you can't airlift me out of it, like you said earlier, but I have to realize the direction I'm heading so that I can leave it. Yes. And in having these interactions with corrupt people, I'm just burrowing myself deeper into this minefield, which is against my self-interest. Forget rules. It's yeah, just forget not the in rules. My, it's, it's just not in my self-interest to have these, these discussions and to put myself into these situations. It, it's putting myself back into my childhood. Yeah, it's and there's comfort in. there because you know how to deal with the minefield. You don't know how to deal necessarily with the wide open spaces and the 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 beautiful, <laughs> you know, savannas and volcanoes and and the cities. And you know you know how to deal with the minefield, right? So this is a familiar territory. You know what you're doing. So, so there's so going to be a part the... of you that's drawn into the minefield, right? And there'll be lots of people around you who are really happy that you're coming back into the minefield, right? Right, because it. Because if I go back into the minefield, they don't they don't feel anxious about having to leave it. Yeah, and then they can prevent they can pretend that the whole world is a minefield and by the way there are no mines and so on, right? Because basically to stretch the metaphor beyond all recognition, they then use you to shield themselves from the mine blasts, right? So they <laughs> they don't have to right. get out because they're safe because they're abusing you. Okay. That makes perfect sense. So I should appeal in my own mind and I'll I'll give this a lot of thought over the next week. Because, I mean, my palms are sweaty right now just thinking about it. I need to appeal to my own rational self-interest, not to some platonic ideal of virtue. Or to some platonic rule of don't, don't hang out with corrupt people, because that's not going to be free. I, get, I, I think I get it. At, least it, at least intellectually, I think I need to ponder over it more. Yeah, I mean, there's a little thing that I put on the website, like every page has a different tiny little two-liner about philosophy, and one that I put up there is Free Domain Radio, welcome to Utopia, but Utopia is Y-O-U. Right. Utopia, not some abstract platonic utopia that you have to earn your way in through obedience to abstract rules. Okay, right? yeah. But Utopia. That's not free. No, what is pleasurable to you? Okay, and I think that makes more sense. Wow, thanks so much. I... I'll definitely get back to you on this. Yeah, just feel free. Go, the, the, the thing to do, go talk to the Christian woman and see how you feel. Do you feel good? Do you feel energized? Do you feel positive? Do you feel empowered? Do you feel excited? Do you feel thrilled? Do you feel enthusiastic? Or do you feel say- kind of jumpy? Do you feel kind of edgy? Do you feel kind of like, oh shit, I can't talk about this. Oh, I can't talk about that. Do you I feel think, inhibited? Um- do you feel claustrophobic? Do you feel confined? Pensive would be probably the word that comes to mind, or, well, pensive maybe not so much, but just edging around, not try, trying not to disrupt the minefield. Right, and so what that means is that you're not there for you. You're there for her. Managing her emotions. Well, she's using you, right, to okay. legitimize her own craziness, right? Well, okay. if a guy who's really into philosophy is my friend, I guess I'm not that crazy. Right. If a rationalist is enjoying talking to me, I guess religion is uh, sensible. Uh, okay. Wow. So you're well, there because you're used to you're used to serving the needs of crazy people, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So here's a crazy person. 
you don't get any benefit out of it because she's a crazy culty Christian, right? Mm-hmm. But so what are you there for? You're there to serve her needs, which is what you're trained to do, right? You're a, a love and affirmation robot as a child, right? That's what you're trained. That's your program, right? What do the crazy people need? How am I going to stay safe? Well, I'm going to appease the crazy people. I'm going to give them what they want. Oh, it's changed. No problem. I'll just give them that. Whatever they need. In the moment, to, to make myself secure from attack, I'm going to please and, and, and do whatever I can to make whoever's got the most power, whoever's the craziest uh, around me, I'm going to just please them. What do they need? And all I do is scan the environment and figure out what people need, and I provide that to them so that I can feel safe. Because that's all I know how to do. And if I don't do that, I'm going to get the shit kicked out of me in one way or another. Wow. Well, just to, just to close it off, I think, I think we've got it. To, at least to a degree because – I mean I don't think we've nipped it completely, but I do think in this discussion I found a cause or uh, and we've, we've looked into that cause because my, I'm feeling the same sweaty palms that I felt last week during this conversation. So right, and the sweaty I'm, palms are I now know how to get out of the minefield, right? And, not and get the, the anxiety is around freedom. It's not around – you know how to be a slave because that's how you were raised. We all do, right? Right, and I, okay, yeah. But you don't know how to be free yet, but you're really close, right, which is great. I mean, you should be, fuck, I wish I did this when I was your age, right? But, but you know how to be free, and that, that's the excitement that you feel. So when I move to Boston, do you think I'll be feeling this same sort of anxiety in about 10 days? Not really knowing how to deal with a lot of this freedom. I mean, this is rel- it's going to be relative freedom because I'm still going to have the, the phone calls and stuff. But, so do you think I'm still going to have to deal with sort of, whoa, this is weird? Well, I think that if you, the reason that you're not free as an adult is that you're still not there where you need to be in terms of self-trust. Right. I don't, I don't know how to live in the forest or the, the, the beautiful oasis yet. Yeah, in a way. But to put it into more prosaic terms, okay. you still yet have to trust that your experience of people is perfectly correct and that if somebody's making you feel uneasy – in, 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 as a child, you couldn't get rid of that, right? So you just had to learn to manage it, right? You couldn't, you couldn't change your parents, right? You can become a better family. Right. So you had to ignore and repress your feelings of anxiety because of, or negativity towards people because if your parents ever really got wind of how bad they made you feel, you would get attacked, right? Yeah. And, I, yeah, and, and as I'm still living with them, I do sort of fear that that like the discovery of freedom and radio by them sure it's terrifying because 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 if they hear some of the things that i've chatted about (laughs) which is why which is why the ones that have dealt with more of the um childhood topics i've i've asked you to um put into the gold or the 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 donator only yeah because i just don't that's what it's for too right so that we've got a private closure but but I think that once you learn to say, my instincts are perfectly great. If I'm not enjoying an interaction, it's not because there's something wrong with me. Uh, okay, that clicked. Okay. So what clicked there? It clicked in that, let me put it into words, that I need to make my decisions based upon myself. And my own, my own, I, I, as you said, I needed to trust my own instincts more. Yeah. I'm chatting with someone. You go to school and somebody starts chatting with you. You need to monitor yourself. 
because you have a habit, as I do, as Christina does, as most people do who've been raised in these kinds, you have a habit of saying, what does this person need? I'm going to provide it to them. They need me to laugh at their jokes? I'm doubled over. They need to me to express admiration? Oh. I'm, I'm praying at their feet. Okay, yeah. But you sit there and you say, okay, this person is talking to me. How do I feel? If you don't feel good, you don't need to explain it. You don't need to justify it. You don't need to cross-examine them to find out if it's right or wrong what you're feeling. Just get it's out. right. It's right what you're feeling. And then and make say, my... Oh, I don't know. This is, this is the mind detector, right? Sorry, go on. Oh, so I need to make my decisions based upon my own feelings. Yeah. Yeah, you okay. trust your feelings. Your feelings got you through this hellish maze of your childhood. You trust your gut. You trust your instincts. And you say, okay, I'm not feeling good in this interaction. So now you say, well, I'm not feeling good in this interaction because I'm disobeying these abstract rules, so I feel guilty. And, but you don't get to then have your feelings. You just got another set of rules that you got to obey. What I'm that saying, will make me anxious. Yeah, throw the rule book out. You're not going to go on an axe-murdering spree if you throw the rule book out. Throw the rule book out. I'm not saying do crack cocaine every morning, but <laughs> you won't. But, but throw the rule book out and you say, I am the rule book. I am the rule book. How do I feel when I'm talking to this person? Do I feel good or not good? Do I feel happy or do I feel diminished? Do I feel elevated? Do I feel put down? Do I feel respected or do I feel manipulated? Do I feel empowered or do I feel used? And then when you walk away from that person... If you've lost track of who you are, as we all do in certain conversations, when you walk away from that person, you say, okay, what is my emotional experience after talking to this person? Do I feel good, like I would voluntarily like to see them again? If they phone me tonight and I know it's them calling, will I feel happy or anxious? What is my experience. This is the real-time relationship, right? Primarily with yourself. What is my experience emotionally, instinctually, psychologically at every level, spiritually? What is my experience of my environment? And let that be your guide. Wow. Well, this was tremendously helpful. I think this is, this conversation is a milestone for me in, I'm going to re-listen to it and I'll definitely get back to you on this. Yeah, please do. I mean, I, I, I know it sounds completely bizarre for the guy who wrote UPB to say, you are the rule, right? <laughs> but th right. that's ethics. We're not talking about ethics here. Because nothing – but you're, talking to a Christian is not evil, right? <laughs> I mean, we're not talking about good and evil and governments and gulags and wars, right? We're talking about utopia. Right. What is going to make your life happiest and most rich. Exactly. Okay, well, thanks so much. And I'll let the next person uh, chime in. You bet. You bet. Absolutely. Uh, really do appreciate that. And uh, great, great conversation. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, get back to us uh, if you can next week. Fantastic. All right. We have uh, the next spot E gappy availability E open. Hey, Steph. Hello. This is Nathan. Hey. With a working headset, right? Uh, it's not bad. Not bad. Uh 
It's not as good as when you fixed it last time, but don't sweat it. Maybe it's the volume. How's that? Uh, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. All right. Uh, well, first I want to thank some thank um, Greg um, for that conversation because that was that was that was exactly what I needed to hear. And um, second, the I have a topic, and I don't know if you, this is easy an easy topic to even really get into. I was, I was trying to figure out, you know, your methodology for extracting principles. Yes. And did you figure it out? Um, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, someone advised that I get a book called Informal Logic, and I did order it, but it's not here yet. Right. Okay, and can you think of an example where you've seen me do that that you would like me to explain in more detail? Um, every single listener conversation and uh, Stephen all throughout um, <laughs> The God of Atheists. Uh, just <laughs> too many occasions to really count. Um, like a specific example... Uh, that would be helpful. I mean, I can come up with one too. But if one's resonant for you, uh, either on the board or a podcast or whatever, then uh, then you can uh, ask it. Or even if it's in to go, we could abstract it. But uh, whatever you like. Um. Hmm. Let's see. Um. It, it usually came out with Stephen. It was like in the form of a question. So, like, so it's wrong to do this. Or, you know, like it's wrong to lie, or so it's right right to lie some of the time, you know, things like that. Right, 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 right. Okay, um, let's, uh, yeah, let's, I mean, I think I remember the scene you're talking about where Alder is reading something from the newspaper about how the liberal government has uh, um, been skimming uh, from, I think, public companies in a corrupt Scandal, and uh, he's sort of justifying it with appeal to the gray areas of politics and so on, right? Right. And so what what Stephen does, and this is in the novel The God of Atheists, buy it. <laughs> so what Stephen does is Stephen says, okay, my dad is making a moral pronouncement about the world, which is that it's okay to embezzle you just shouldn't embezzle too much because otherwise you'll get caught and there'll be a scandal, right? And that's sort of what uh, Alder, the professor the, who's been eaten by the Cartesian demon, this is what he says. And this is kind of a, a hip, kind of cool. And I actually stole this argument directly from a friend of mine or who was a friend of mine at the time who was uh, a good old Canadian boy who was uh, pro-liberal and so on. And he's like, ah, it's a gray area. They went too far on this one, blah, 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 right? So I stole this argument as I steal much, <laughs> much stuff from, from people around me for books in particular. But um, So Stephen says, okay, my experience of my dad telling me about moral rules is him saying, Stephen, you should not lie because lying is wrong. And now when he's talking about people in the government lying, suddenly it's not wrong. So, which is it? Were you lying to me when you said that stealing is wrong? 
or lying is wrong, or are you lying to me now when you say that lying is okay? Right. And and what I mean by I think extracting principles is that someone will say something really muddled, just kind of you know confusing, but in there there's a principle to extract from it. Kind of. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. First yeah. of all, I would say that no one ever says anything that's muddled. Uh, my on. opinion. This is my opinion. I'm going to prove it anyway. But, but no one says anything that's muddled, right? So there's a guy on the board who's talking about some debate he had with someone. I think about healthcare, and the guy gave him a total baffle gab answer about why the government should be able to use force, but private citizens should not, right? Right. And it was very confusing, but but not right. <laughs> but not confusing, right? Because if someone gives you a whole bunch of mealy mouth baffle gab bullshit in response to a clear question. They're not muddled at all. How? They're very clearly being evasive. Oh, evasive, right. That's not muddled, right? Like when, when you reach for a squid in the ocean and it squirts that black ink so you can't find it, it's not muddled, right? It knows exactly what it's doing. If the guy who's a counterfeiter <laughs> refuses to give you his money to run through the counterfeit detection machine and gives you some big nonsense answer as to why, he's not muddled, right? No. He's just lying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's doing what he needs to do to protect his own self-interest as it stands, right? So, like, uh, you and Greg were talking earlier, there was, this, there was the, I don't know if that was his brother or the guy on the video, but he kept switching back and forth from, you know, ethics to obedience, you know. I just find it hard, I find it hard to extract principles, like, from that, because it, you extract it and it immediately switches. It's like, so, you're, yeah, you're right, it's just like an evasion. Well, there was a. I'm going to use this in the real time relationship, and we had a, a listener chat just sort of after this occurred. But this Buddhist came on the board and and uh, in the chat window, and uh, he was talking about this, that, and the other, and and so on. And I said, well, you know, what? How do you know what what is true and what is false? And he, we we got round to reason and evidence, right? And then we continued on to the conversation, and he claimed that he had knowledge of physical laws that transcended existing physics. And I said. Okay, so what's your proof, right? Reason and evidence, we already established this, right? And he said, why is proof so important to you? Right? <laughs> right, and it was... But that, that's an amazingly clear... That's an amazingly clear thing to say, right? And it says, I'm lying. Right? So you couldn't be more clear. Like, he couldn't flash a neon sign above my house saying, lying bullshit artist, Right? Couldn't be more clear. Go step by step down the argument, and then you say, where's the reason and evidence that you have for your proposition? Because we already established that reason and evidence were the criteria for truth. And he says, why is reason so important to you? That's the point at which he breaks the conversation, frames it, and tries to portray me as some anal guy who needs whatever. Psych start psychologizing and this and that, right? Right. It's like, but that's perfectly clear. So when it's baffling... It's perfectly clear. 
So when you say it's really hard to extract principles from a paid killer, well, of course it is, right? How could they be a paid killer if they, they weren't muddy? I guess that makes a lot of sense. It's a, it's a, and so yeah, the Buddhist basically just said, well, truth is no longer important for determining truth and falsehood. It's, no, he I, didn't say that. No? No. Because that would have been even, I mean, that would have been more honest, right? Right. He just changed topic completely. Jumped out of the conversation, put a psychological framing and vaguely insulting thing in place. Why is proof so important to you? It's like, hey, proof is not important to me. Proof is the criteria that we agreed, right? <laughs> but like somebody, somebody says, I want to borrow $5,000 from you, Steph. And I say, okay, great. You're going to pay me back the $5,000 in a month, right? And he says, absolutely, yes. Here's my contract and assign this. Thanks so much for the $5,000. I'm going to pay you this back in a month, right? In three weeks, I say, listen, I'm going to need that money back in a week. He says, no problem, absolutely, I will give you the money back in a week. It's all here, I'm ready to give it to you. And then I show up at his house in a week and say, listen, can I get my money back? And he says, why is money so important to you? Oh my God, yeah. No, seriously, that's exactly, right, this is somebody who never had any intention of paying me my money back and only told me he would in order to steal my $5,000. Right, so lying bastard. <laughs> Lying bastard, and also calling me some selfish materialist when he is actually the one who's stealing money? Why is money so important to you? Hey, if money isn't important to you, why did you come to me for the $5,000? Right. I mean, it's, oh, it's a hypocritical mindfuck from multidimensional kaleidoscopic places. And it's perfectly clear. Yeah, and I, I say, gee, I wish I'd learned that lesson for less than $5,000. But I tell you this, I'm not forgetting it now. <laughs> yeah, this makes a lot more sense now. And, and this guy was, I didn't even have to have, I mostly had this for the benefit of the people who were on the chat and talked about it afterwards. And we did a podcast, it's going to be the RTR book, but he's a Buddhist. Perfectly clear. So you say, well, I have trouble getting principles out of soldiers. They've already put on a uniform. They couldn't be more clear about their relationship to ethics. Right, their actions. Okay. Well, I think that answers my questions. Okay, good. <laughs> I think James wanted, wanted to ask something. Jimbo! Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I just—I don't know why. I just plunged into Tennessee for a moment, but I'm back. A little dizzy, but I'm okay. James, are you there? Oh, yes, I am. Sorry jimmy, 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 Jimbo. James is fine. How are you doing? Honey, can I get some more coffee? No? Are we out? <laughs> I think Toronto's out of coffee now. Please, go ahead. Uh, now I'm going to get all the people on the planet who watch me do a podcast on drugs and say, see, I told you caffeine was a drug. It's exactly the same as LSD. You're so hypocritical. You should do drugs. You can't talk about nothing. Right. I had deep that right. Again. And then we'll open up the determinist debate again. Sorry, go on. I had to minimize that window again. <laughs> same as uh same Have we as still got earlier. more pants thing going on? Oh, it's, it's it hasn't stopped. Are you kidding? All right. It keeps going and going and going. The hunchback of Notre Dame in my pants. <laughs> you actually can see doctors for that. So um That's what I keep telling Rod, but he won't listen to me. Yeah, you can hang weights, you can unkink that. Uh, anyway, please go on. 
All right, so uh, uh, things have been getting pretty hectic for me lately. Um, I mean, I got I got the job thing, which is sort of turning into a churn fest. You know, uh, and uh, oh, that's but that's not even what I want to talk about. Why did I bring that up first? Um, <laughs> let's see. I uh, should we rewind and start again? Jimmy, Jimbo, Jimbo. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Okay, um, give me that. Give me that first point again, and uh, uh, we'll see if we can't figure out why you brought it up first. Well, okay. So, so the, the point I brought up was the um, the job thing. It's it's coming up with a lot of churn in the company. Um, there, there there are a number of concerns that I have, and basically I'm about a a month ish from the end of my contract, which was supposed to be temp to perm, but now it's going to be. Now it's now they're not sure what they want, uh, so I don't even know if I'm going to be offered a permanent position. Um, and my boss is leaving, uh, you know, like two months into my contract, he's leaving, and um, th- there was another person who left like the first week I was there, and so all signs point to this is a bad idea to stay here for very long. Just in terms of how many people seem to be. Uh, Hired and not fired, but sort of quit. And um, and the, the way this is related is, uh, I, I post my post um, was it earlier today or yesterday about talent. Yes. And I guess that's sort of related. Uh, and I'm always I keep coming back to this. You know, you know, I mean, I've got some ability to string sentences together, and you know, and it's, it's nothing. It's nothing inherent. You know, it like. I was listening to the um, some of the premium podcasts, and, and you know, I, I really got that there's nothing inherent in the fact that I've got a you know got talent, but at the same time, I would like to use it, you know, because if I don't use it, I'm going to lose it, that sort of thing, you know. Right, and also it's like fuck if Steph can do it. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, that's not at all. It's not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Sorry, just kidding. Go on. No. Um, but also, I mean, not only that, but I enjoy. I enjoy doing you know all this stuff and. You know, I've I've sort of been toying around with the idea of doing podcasts, but I don't think I can just sort of launch into it because I don't know what I what I would do. Uh, but um, I mean, I, I did that ad for for FDR, but that that's kind of like, all right. So everything else I've been doing is just like sort of anecdotes, and I mean, I, I got a few people who like to listen, sure, but that's only like a handful of people, and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be I guess the thing is, is I'm not. I don't think I'm going to be bringing this, the world of philosophy, you know, the philosophy to the world necessarily. I don't. I just don't. Maybe that's something that I can think about. But it just it doesn't. I don't know how to put it. Uh, <sighs> well, I, if I understand it rightly, and I don't want to put words into your mouth, but let me see if I can uh, jam jam a couple down without you coughing up. But um, sure. sure. Uh, you want to make the world a better place, right? Of course, yes, yes. Right. I mean, so, you're not like oh, I want groupies and jets and so on. I mean, not that those are bad things, but um, but you want to do good for the world, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, and you are looking for a talent that is going to allow or help you create good in the world, right? This is a very satisfying thing to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. 
is there something that, and this is just a general question, and I'm not asking it out of vanity or, or solicitousness, I just want to know. Mm. Is there something that you feel that is missing from the FDR podcast? Because I think this is the premier philosophical conversation in the world, and certainly sure, sure. the most voluminous, so to speak. <laughs> but, um, and, you know, I'm sort of crank, cranking out my third book in four or five months, so is is there something that you feel is missing from the FDR conversation that you could add? I mean, and I don't mean in terms of a participant. I mean in terms of leadership. You know, I, I, I've, I thought about that. I haven't thought about that in terms of directly being a part of FDR, but certainly in terms of on my own, I don't know what it is I could add. I mean, I don't, if anything, I mean, I, I, I find that I'm, I'm gaining a lot personally from from participating in the philosophy and and uh, I'm trying to contribute back but as, as far as like you know developing new <laughs> new aspects of the theory and you know I, I don't think there's a topic that's been untouched um, and <laughs> oh, sorry it's sort of a sort of a dig uh, no no listen I, I I appreciate that and I, I certainly you know I don't think we've talked on the ethics of hedgehog sex yet but that's slated for next week so right 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 okay uh, but th there is there is that you know like i don't think i can i don't think i really have anything to add to that aspect maybe certainly something with a different focus maybe not with the philosophical conversation but well i ha i had an idea for for a website i have, haven't had the time or the energy to work on it um or you could say i have chosen to not work on it um, and I was talking with Greg about this. It's sort of an educational website idea with, you know, people right, you know, aimed towards anybody who wants to go, but also, you know, very basic skills where I would provide the content and, you know, math, science, computers. Those are my strengths. Um, and, and the t but t t the technology side of things is something I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on. I want to get on generating content, uh, but there's really not a platform. Sorry, but what content do you want to generate? Um, now, maybe this is something that's worth some research. The, the, the content in, in particular is a, um, a sort of a, a, a directed educational map. I can't come up with the word right now. Basically, um, the, the idea is that uh, a child, maybe, We'll come to the site and we'll basically go through a lesson in mathematics. And this is not just, you know, obviously not just a child in the United States, but, you know, anywhere in the world potentially. Um, and they could, you know, go through, go through sort of like a lesson, but it's, you know, there may be, you know, clips of maybe a few minutes in length where they would be able to listen to that and then choose where they want to go next or ask a question or, or that sort of thing. So it's sort of like a a teacher kind of basis, kind you know, educational. I mean, the the idea is so is is to provide this educational thing in a way that really hasn't been done before. And then granted, I don't know if this hasn't has been done before, but um, I mean, I don't want to go into a public school. To do that sort of thing, I, I mean, I wouldn't last very long. I've <laughs> my my experience as a student there wasn't all that great, and 
know, so if I was going to provide some sort of education to people, I'd want it to be um, something actually they actually learn something, actually come away with a, a knowledge, you know, and, and learning how to think um, and uh, that sort of thing. So uh, I think I think I went a little a little afield there, but I mean that that that's been my idea, and um, I kind of don't want to muck about with the like building the framework so much. I, I it's just not that interesting to me. But then again, I guess if that's if I don't want to get over that hurdle, maybe I don't really want to do it. Well, and do you mind if I take you on a tangent? Uh, sure. Okay. Now, this is not something I can tell just by the way that you're talking about it. This is not something that is organically coming to you as a kind of thing that you feel like you really have to do. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can tell that, uh, look, I've been an entrepreneur for, for many years, and, and I know what it's like when somebody has a yearning burning, got to get it done. Yeah. You can't stop them, right? <laughs> it's not like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll do this, but the content's a bit of a hurdle, and I haven't done any research into the contemporaries and so on and, and other alternative and what's out there, but this is kind of thing that I could see myself doing if the right circumstances came about and so on, right? Yeah. If somebody really wants to get something done, you can't stop them. You you throw any obstacle in their way, they'll just chew right through it, right? Yeah. And I think that you're capable of that, mm -hmm. but this is not it. Yeah, as I was talking, I was really beginning to get that sense. Like, yeah, uh, and, why and there's am nothing I, wrong with why that. Why am I describing this? Yeah. Yeah, then this, this good, right? Eliminating things that you only kind of want to do is very important in life so that you right. can save your energies for what you really do want to do. Now, let me tell you the subtext that I got from what you were saying, and you can tell me whether or not it makes sense. The mm, subtext shoot. that I got from what you're saying is, Steph, please ask me about my girlfriend. <laughs> okay. How did you get that? How's your relationship? Because <sighs> um, you know that was the big topic last time, right? That is that is very true. You're right. I have not heard much about the uh, the girlfriend of the James in a while. And no. you want to talk about living with integrity and living and making the world a better place, which I hugely admire and respect. But I'm not sure an ill-defined learning portal for students who may or may not find a way to it or be interested is necessarily <laughs> the most immediate thing on your plate of things to deal with. That might be accurate. So... <laughs> Perhaps you can tell me the subtext rather than the, the surface. What right. is happening with your relationship? Um, hmm. Well, uh, she's right here. and, uh, and We don't, don't have to we... talk about it right now. We, we don't, I, mean, I don't want to put you on the spot. I don't want, we don't have to talk about it right now if she's right there. I'm just saying that you might want to look a little bit closer to home in terms of feeling free with regards to this philosophy and living with integrity. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with your relationship or whatever. I'm just saying that the last I heard, there was the odd challenge or two in it. I've not heard anything about it since, and people generally don't tend to keep good news to themselves. So that's something we can talk about another time. I don't want to put you on the spot. But mm -hmm. if you're looking for a place where you can gain traction in terms of virtue and really help the world, right? Then it's going to be living with integrity in your personal relations. Right. Right. I understand. Um, it, well, we, we, can, we can probably go into more detail another time, but for now I would say 
it seems like it seems like there have been some good things, but I don't some some things I'm not sure about still. Right, which means that you are sure about them, but you don't like the answers. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, but listen, I, I understand uh, maybe you can't send her out for pizza or whatever, so uh, I understand that, that you're in a difficult position that you can't talk, which also, of course, says quite a lot, but um, uh, we can mm. talk about this another time. But I would say that it's probably not a good or wise idea to focus on abstractions that you have pretty lax motivations for and that that may be a feeling that um, uh, that that is being driven from a desire to avoid the things that uh, are more pertinent and relevant for you to deal with in terms of liberty and being an illuminatory light for the world as a whole. No, I I follow what you're saying, and um, no thanks thanks for cutting to the quick. Hey, no problem. That's uh, I've been known to uh, from time to time. So uh, anyway, look, I, I mean that, that's all we wanted to talk about right now, or right? so we can talk about this another time. Yeah, um, do you do uh, phone calls? I do phone calls. Yeah, just uh, give me a shout. Uh, this week, obviously, is a little tight. I'm trying to finish this book, and we have some guests for Christmas, but um, just uh, keep me posted, and we'll, we'll have a chat. Mm, okay. All right, man. Thanks for the call. I really do appreciate it. And uh, if sure, you sort no this problem. other thing out, the portal thing could be cool. So uh, <laughs> anyway, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. And uh, right. do we have anybody else with a last yearning burning before we close up shop for... This side of Christmas? Anybody on the uh, chat? All right. Uh, some people just joined us. They <laughs> just joined us. We're ending. I'll give them a second, uh, last, last chance. If you want to send anything, questions in the chat window or crank up your microphone if you just joined. Sorry to uh, that you're <laughs> parachuted onto the ship just as we come into the dock. But uh, I can certainly take one more relatively quick question if... You're around, or would like to uh, ask that. Sorry? Ah, okay. Um, is he... Okay, we have someone here who said, I have no microphone. Yes, we have no bananas. But uh, perhaps he's typing something? Because he wouldn't say, I have no microphone, unless he had something he wanted to say, but was not saying it. We shall wait for a second or two. Uh, it doesn't look like he's coming back with anything. Okay, well, thank you so much, everybody, for a wonderful, wonderful show. Thank you so much to the callers, as always, for the rampant generosity and openness with which they lay themselves open to this examination. I know it's always an exciting challenge. Uh, thank you so much to the people with the distractions in my pants, uh, as always. And uh, I will talk to you guys next week. And have yourselves a very, very Merry Christmas. <laughs>